We're heading towards the end of October, which is a very spooky time of the year because we are heading into, um, you know, NaNoWriMo, which is, if you haven't heard of it, is National Novel Writing Month, which is to say that is, a ta- is basically people challenge themselves to write 50,000 words in the space of 30 days. And I have to say, there's nothing scarier, nothing spookier than staring into a blank canvas and crying over a keyboard for 30 days straight. It's a very particularly cruel way to treat yourself for to celebrate Halloween, ultimately. But I wholeheartedly believe that everyone should really do it because it is a great way, whether you're a novelist or anything else, it is a great way to practice your discipline. Um... It's something we are solely in need of in the modern age, in the age of smartphones. Every time you hear that little click on this on this recording, that's me pausing this, walking off and playing five rounds of Overwatch because I can't handle trying to exercise my attention span for more than five seconds at a time. Um, in the age of smartphones, it is a task. And I think it is a very worthwhile exercise to spend a month trying to focus on a singular thing that you don't really want to do. I mean, you do. You want to have the thing at the end of it, but you don't want to sit there and write it because that sucks. Writing sucks. But it's a worthy thing to practice. I know it sounds difficult, the idea of 50,000 words, but it's actually not as crazy as it sounds. That's Say you have the writing pace of 1,000 words an hour, which is probably relatively normal, that's about my writing pace, so an hour and a half each day for a month, actually that does sound kind of crazy, but you know, say you actually had a slightly faster speed, you know, you have got to take time for, you know, pausing and, you know, crying and all of that, but and that really cuts into it and really takes up to five hours a day, but each day you'll cry a little less and you'll get better at it, and over time, You'll be able to sit there and squeeze out 100 words in an hour, probably. Um, And only half that hour will be crying. But you'll be stronger because of it. And I can't really recommend it enough, quite frankly. It feels really good at the end of it to go, Huh, I I wrote A a lot here. 50,000 times to be exact. It is a beautiful thing, truly. It still sounds scary, the prospect of not having a plan and going into this event and just trying to shoot text into the wind. Um, some people in the school in writing, people talk about pantsers and, out- and outliners. Maybe you're a pantser and you are not at all intimidated by just shooting, just writing stuff, just going, some ninjas went down to the shop and they, you know, did some things and so on, and you write a whole book that way. Other people like to outline, like to have a, something of a plan. I think really we, like most things in life, there's a balance between them that you want to find, and it's good to have something of a plan. Me saying that may worry you if you don't have a plan because it is the 30th, 31st of October, but never fear. I'm going to help, I'm going to try and talk you through that. I'm going to throw out some some ideas for you, and a method I use to brainstorm stories. And that method is, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. First question is, what is your favorite movie, favorite recent movie, let's say that, 
Um, I'll let's, I'll give you uh, ten seconds. I'll I'll do some uh, nature sounds in the background. Uh, squawky do. I'm sure you've come up with something, even if it's not your favorite. Just something, a movie you like. Um, for me, off the top of my head, let's say Shrek. That's a popular meme lately. I don't know why that came to mind. I've seen many more movies this year, and I haven't watched Shrek in a while. Probably a crime that I haven't. Um, but let's let's put up Shrek as an example. For me, second question: What do you like about that movie? Really sit there, have a think about it. Or stand there, or, or keep driving. Whatever you do when you listen to these, to you know, pod pod sounds. Um, Here's some elevator music in the meantime. Kind of sounds like the lavender theme. Imagine being in an elevator and hearing that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I'd panic. Um, so, for me, with Shrek, holding up that example again, it's a popular movie because it is real weird I think it because it shot off it it was a, a subversion of a lot of the subversion expectations I know that's an unpopular phrase since uh, the finale of Game of Thrones but I think that is what made Shrek great it took all the fairy tale stuff that was really popular that we grew up with with the Rapunzel stories and all of that and it just took a heapy a, like a steaming shit on it and it was hilarious and really good and it still had a lot of heart in it so I have to say, that's something I do like in movies. I love when they wreck things, quite frankly. When they take something popular and kind of kick it. I do enjoy that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a different reason for liking the movie that you have thought of. Second question. Now it's radically different. What's another movie you like? Or oh, let's mix it up. Let's say... It doesn't have to be a movie. What's just something else you like? It's it's Halloween. What do you like to dress up as? Or what's your favourite costume? Not necessarily that you dress up, but what's your favourite costume at Halloween time? Um, I'll give you the sound of uh, some indistinct rapping in the distance. Um, I have to say my favorite costume is kind of hard to turn into something, but I, I really like those ones where it's like a backpack, but it's a person and you wear it and it looks like you're in a little barrel that the thing's carrying. So it's like a ghoul carrying around you. I think that is hilarious, but I don't exactly know how that could be a story. Mm, especially... Shrek's already in the picture. Uh, let's let's say uh, I saw a great thing post the other day, which was like, "Oh, there's, there's not a full moon coming." What if your costume is you just put on a lab coat and like as time goes on, you just gradually like add fur to your costume. By the end of the night, you just release a dog with a uh, like a lab coat in the part. A werewolf story. What if it was a werewolf story instead of instead of standard Shrek stuff? It's a werewolf story, but it's a subversion of the standard werewolf story because that's what I like in a story. I like it when the standard tropes are messed with. 
the terminology I use for this like brainstorming system, which I know doesn't sound groundbreaking, but the way I like to frame it in my head is you want to establish a game that you like, that is to say something you like in a story, and you want to establish a playground that you want to play that game in, that is to say you, a story to do that in. So it might be werewolves, it might be a hedge maze, it might be a wizarding school, it might be, you know, any number of things but you could do any number of different things in that situation. Like Harry Potter could be the standard Harry Potter thing, but it could also be a parody of it. Um, that's why so many movies are the same thing um, at the end of the day. Like Jurassic Park and Jaws, there's a scary thing out there. And I'll never mention any number of like monster movies and The Conjuring and uh, all of that. It's all the same movie. There's a person going, ah, and there's a monster going, yeah. So, if you're, if you're listening to this on the 30th October and you aren't even kind of considering NaNoWriMo, trying to come up with an idea, I think that's a good way to come up with something just off the cuff and just go with it. And I think that's the point of NaNoWriMo. You don't really want to overthink it. You just want to run with it. The next thing I do is I draw a circle. If you're in a car, don't do that. But, you know, like draw one in your head. And I bisect it into four quarters. I write above it, I write world, and I write change. I want two worlds, being the home world that they play in, so the, what was the thing? Werewolves. So the normal world is human, and the, 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 the other world is werewolf. Um, the other thing for the change, that's the character arc I want to establish for the character, which is pretty important, and it's something that I skipped for the first few times I tried to write stories to NaNoWriMo. To great disaster on the reread. I went, wow, there's nothing happening. This character just goes boop, boop, while the story happens around them. If the character doesn't change through the story, why am I hearing about it? Whenever someone tells you a story about something that happened to them at the shops that day, Something that makes that, comp that story compelling is it affected them somehow. So in the case of werewolves, uh, I guess, and also I, I want to do, I want to play my game of subvert the werewolf thing. The standard werewolf story is, I guess, usually a pretty sad one. A werewolf comes in, uh, someone gets infected with being a werewolf, and then they go, oh, this sucks, and then they probably die. Um, let's, say, let's say it's a good story. Let's say there's a guy... Um, at the start of the story, he's like, wow, werewolves really, he's a werewolf hunter. Yep, that's act one. So that's the top right quarter. He is like, he's, he hates werewolves. And I'm putting that on the first half of the change. The second half of the change is he comes around to appreciating werewolves. Which I guess isn't hard if you become one. But, I mean, I'm not trying to make anything groundbreaking here, necessarily. Um, so, on the four quarters... On the right side, I will do the first half of the change. I'll write, um, hates werewolves, hates werewolves. And on the left side, I'll write, likes werewolves, likes werewolves. And on the top half of the, of the circle, I'll write, human, human. And the bottom half, I'll write, werewolf, werewolf. And now, in very simple terms, I have the four acts of the story. I have a... Act one, where the do where they're just they're a werewolf hunter, they're going around hunting the werewolves, and they're like, God, I dang it, I, I hate these, 
guys. And then to, I guess, the catalyst or something that happens somewhere in that act one is he gets bitten. Maybe he doesn't get bitten yet. Uh, no, nah, yeah, he, oh, yeah, that'd have to be the way the story says. He gets bitten, and act two, he's going, ah, I'm a werewolf, but I still hate him. And he's, I don't know, maybe he's getting hunted. Well, he's former allies, like, oh, sorry, you're a werewolf. You know what that means? We're hunter code, got to put you down. I know you'd want it. And the other guy's like, no, I don't. And he run, runs off, but he's also like, oh, I hate this. That's act two. Um... An important thing there at that midpoint of the story is there should be a major change of status quo. At least, I don't know, not necessarily. There's many ways to write a story, but that seems to be the popular way for how Hollywood and a lot of writing books talk about. There's a really good book, I can't remember the name of the author off the top of my head, called The Mirror Moment, which is all about the importance of the midpoint. And they highly recommend you should write a story from the midpoint or it should be your main basis for it. And I don't know, I haven't ever read all of it, I skimmed it, but I really like the ideas, I really like that, that argument, essentially. And if you watch any movie and pause it at the exact middle, something changes. Sometimes it's drastic, usually. Um, if you watch The Hunger Games, the first half of that movie is just her, is just Katniss going, dang. And then it's not till the midpoint that finally the, the Hunger Games start. If you watch Jurassic Park, the first half of the movie is them going, wow. Dinosaurs are pretty gay, pretty great. And they're just like, this is pretty dope. I think this is a great idea to have a Jurassic Park. And then at the middle point, the fence blows up. A T-Rex storms out, starts eating everyone. Starts eating everybody. I think it just eats the guy in the toilet. Spoiler alert for that point. But you know. Inception, they don't enter the dream until the middle of the movie. Crazy, right? The first half of that movie is just them being like, Ooh, we gotta, we got to do the thing. We gotta, we got to, this is how dreaming works. I digress. The middle is often where something happens. And in the little model that I use here that I'm talking about, that middle point should have a major thing that happens that finally curves the character away from their... It finally causes the change. It doesn't mean they've changed as soon as that thing happens, but the next quarter of the story, the second half, the dreaded second half of Act 2, which honestly is the most, in the past before me, my thinking about this, was always the most frustrating part of a story to think about because you kind of run out of stuff to do. And you go, what's happening? But that's where the character, I call it the crucible now. It's the part of the story where the character is put under stress and they change. In terms of the hero's journey, they call that... The middle point is called the meeting with the goddess. And this quarter of story is called... This part of the story has um, the atonement with the father. They meet a figure of authority and like learn something about themselves. Um, it's also called temptation that's in there, which aligns well with this whole idea. The idea is they submit to their worst self, but... But they are then punished for it. And in Hollywood terms, they call that the low point or the all is lost or the dark night of the soul or something along those lines. Which happens in that second half of Act 2, which is, say, the bottom left quarter. That said, I have to say, that's probably the most worthy of subversion part of a story. Because when you pay attention to Hollywood structure, it's 
the blandest part of the story sometimes. So, I don't know, grain of salt. I think it's a really good way to handle that part of the story. Basically, that's where they change. Then the last quarter, Act 3, is where they prove the change. Um, they return to an old situation. So, the werewolf... Oh yeah, in the second half, the werewolf... Um, I guess he meets... The midpoint for the werewolf story is the werewolf meets some other werewolves. Some werewolves save him. Yeah, let's say that. He's, the hunter is going to get him. He gets saved by some werewolves, and they're like, oh, we are peaceful in the werewolf village. He doesn't tell them that he probably hunted half of them. I don't know if he ever will. I don't know if that can make, I don't know if that can make the story happy. Maybe it's his, maybe at the start of the story, this is his first day. He just, his dad was a werewolf hunter or something. He did not, he'd not killed any werewolves. Otherwise, he's not redeemable in the eyes of this story. I don't know. Unless you don't want him necessarily to be redeemable. Not everyone's redeemable. Kinda. I don't know. However you interpret. Um, the midpoint is he gets saved by werewolves. And then he has to wrestle with that. He has to, has to figure out what he's doing. How he feels about it. Maybe he decides, nah, screw these werewolves, I'm going to sell them out. Um, and then he feels bad about it. I don't know. A werewolf buddy dies because of him. Through that, he realizes he feels real guilty. And then in the last quarter, he finally confronts his old hunting buddy, who is now hunting him and so on and all that. Maybe the full moon's finally passed, so he's a human again, so he's not at his werewolf strength anymore. Well, that wouldn't really prove his change, I guess. I don't know. Well, it would actually if he saves the werewolves even as a human. Maybe he gets cured even. And he still um, saves the werewolves. That would really prove that he has completed a character journey. I think an important thing in that whole character arc thing is when you establish what the start point and the end point of your changes, of your change, is you want to take that start point move it all the way away from that endpoint. You want to take that endpoint, you want to crank your arm back and just lob it into the distance. Um, make it so they really have to work to get from A to B. If they're already pretty good at the start of the story, there's not much of a story to be had there. Not really. I mean, there are stories which do that well. Captain America and like Paddington Bear and Forrest Gump. But usually, most times, you want to have them changing. But yeah, yada, yada, yada. That's my main method that I use. I then take that circle with the four quarters and the middle line that I mark for the midpoint, and I turn it into five dot points. And those are the five things that happen in my story, and I expand each of those dot points into essentially an act. The midpoint, of course, gets treated a little bit differently, but you know. I think that's that's what I use to build all my stories now. And I find it really helpful. It saves a lot of time. Makes it easy. Maybe I thought I'd share that in case someone else did. Again, you should do NaNoWriMo. Spend November screaming with, the, with all the other people that do. You will have a happier time than you realize, at least by the end of it. Good luck.